<laughs> visiting Pastor Mike and Chris on Wednesday. I was over there and, and uh, at their house, and he was uh, he, he was saying, "Well, he says I don't really think I should be there on Sunday." And I said, "That's all right. You know, that's you know, that's just part of this nonsense that's going on." And uh, I did the same thing. Vicky and I had COVID together. Uh, not as a couple thing, but it just happened, and uh, and then that was that was like we we came back off a, a missionary journey, an apostolic journey of a couple years. We three and a half years. We returned. This has been our home base, and we got sent out of here to go to that place. Then returning here, I was so glad to be back here, and within a matter of weeks. We had COVID. I mean, it was just boomity boom, just like that. I told Mike, I said, you know, I'm fully able. I've come through that 10 days or whatever it was, quarantine, shut yourself in kind of thing. And, uh, and I said, I could be there, but I said, you know what? Probably better not be there because, you know, people hear, oh, he had COVID. And everybody's freaked out and people are still freaked out about it. And it's just, uh, too bad that that's happening. But, you know, um, Mike said, we could do this, and we could do this, and I said, no, that's okay, I'll stand in, I'll preach, I'd love to, and uh, I said, all I do is I just get with the Lord, and I said, and, and like, like young Samuel was told by Eli, the high priest at the time, and he told young Samuel, that's the Lord speaking to you, he says, just go back to bed, and he said, say this to the Lord, Speak, your servant listens. Have you ever done that? Wow. The Lord loves it when we open a door to him and for him. And so that's what I did. I told Mike, I said, oh, yeah, I'll have something to preach on. So I didn't run home and scurry through my notes, even though I've kept sermon notes since 1986. I've kept sermon notes. And for those were many, uh, I mean, even Wednesday nights preaching, Wednesday nights teaching, Wednesday nights, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, back when we had Sunday night services. And, and I've always kept those, but I didn't go home and scurry. I never want to do that. Uh, what I like to do is say, God, you want to speak something fresh because you know who's going to be here. And you know who needs to hear from you certain things. And I don't know what those certain things are. So um, part of the giftings that, that God so liberally and severally gives to his people and to his servants that speak is he gives a prophetic gift. And the prophetic gift is not just to be in a special place with him because that really is what's called a prophet's reward. But it's also to speak, to stand between heaven between the porch and the altar, as the Old Testament says, and give a fresh word. And so this morning, I just want to speak some things to you that he has been speaking to me for the past week. And so um, I want to speak to you this morning about the fire of God's love. Just that alone will carry Do we not see that in the Old Testament? Do we not see that in the New Testament? Should we not see more of that, even visibly, amongst us? 
I know it's not about being loud. It's not about having the best dance when the Spirit of the Lord hits. It's not about that. It's how you live your everyday life. We had this, one of these things that, you know, we, we would describe in, we called it church ease, you know, church, church language, church slang. That when someone is in love with Jesus to the point where they just don't know what to do, the passion is so strong, we call them being on fire for God. We have those that were steadfast through the years and, and, you know, we could have said they are really faithful to the Lord. Yes, and that would cover it. But we also had this, sold out. And when I was a youth pastor, Vicki and I youth pastored for 11 years before going into the senior pastorate. In those 11 years, we, we heard that many times amongst our own kids. Wow, they're really on fire for God. They're really sold out to Jesus. It's not how you live. It's, it's how you live out of that holy fire that he brings to his people. That's the one thing that he will impart to his people in the same way that John the Baptist said, and, that, and, and I used this scripture portion the last time I spoke to you a couple weeks back, and uh, when, when Mike says, I want to break rep preach, you know, let's encourage the people, you know, and, and, so, and I love doing that. But anyways, it was John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus spoke of John the Baptist and saying that that there was there was no one greater than him. John the Baptist, when when he was when he was in his ministry of preaching and and preaching repentance and baptizing people, um, he said, "There's." They asked if he was the Christ, if he was the Messiah. Are you the one that we're looking for? And he says, "No, I'm just a forerunner. There's one coming after me." whose shoe I'm not worthy to tie. And he will baptize you. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Ghost and fire. I love the and fire part. The Holy Ghost part, oh yeah, there's nothing like that. Nothing on this earth compares to it. But it's that fire. It's the one thing that picks me up and carries me through the week. When sometimes physical infirmities are, you know, it's like I would just rather lay down and take a nap. And now that I'm retired, I can do a little bit more of that. But there were times when I couldn't. And there were times when I'd go off to work and I'd say, God, I need your fire today. And what he does is he imparts, gives to you the fire of his love, the fire of his passion. It was a word picture, it was a, a living analogy to those wandering in the desert for 40 years that, that when Moses was given instructions to, to build a tabernacle, of which Bezalel was a, he was a godly master craftsman, and he, he fashioned everything just, and he was in charge of that, where exactly the way that Moses said God told him to do it. And one of the things that was this, was around, around the, um, the dedication of that, when they made the, the Ark of the Covenant. Did you know the Ark of the Covenant is a copy? There's a real Ark of the Covenant in heaven. Did you know that? 
The Ark of the Covenant that, you know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that stuff that, that we watched in the 80s and laughed at, the truth of the matter is there is a real Ark we don't have to look for. It's in heaven. And the one that was made here on earth by Moses, I, I believe it's still around. I don't think you just hide something like that or let it be carried off and destroyed. It is hidden for a perfect time. I believe that time's coming. But around that scenario came the fire of God that came down and licked up. I mean, the flames of it just burnt every bit of the offering and turned it to ash. And that fire was burning. And the Lord gave a command to Israel, don't let that fire go out. Don't let it go out. Don't let it turn to ash. And so you know that when during the 40 years, the, the rebellion in the desert and the whole works, and their constant, constant rebellion, provocation, it was a time of provocation. You know, when they got up and they moved, following the, the fire at nighttime above the tabernacle, when that would lift, it was time to go. When there was, in the daytime, there was a pillar of cloud coming out of the tabernacle, that place that holy place. And when it would lift, you packed camp. You packed up your camp and left. How many of you like camping? You like camping? Isn't camping fun? Okay, maybe as a little bit later in life we don't like that or maybe we just have too much to, to do or not do. But Vicki and I like camping. We, we just get a kick out of it. We got a little camper that we, that we pull around. And, and uh, this past summer we took an unprecedented two weeks straight, 15 days of just camping, that whole time, just camping. And we loved it. But we found ourselves doing this. We would, we would camp in one place. Well, I told her, I said, we want to go boonie camping. We want to go boonie camping out in the pigeon country where we've never been before, where I've never been before. I've been through there, but there's pl- it's a big place, you know. And so we went and stayed by a little lake. We were there for about three days, and it got to be so bad, the frogs were so loud that Vicky couldn't sleep at night. I was just putting earplugs in. They were that loud. You cannot believe how loud frogs can get. But when you go to the round lake, I mean, you might want to count this as a warning. You don't want to go to the round lake State Forest Campground in Pigeon Country, the Pigeon River Forest, because it is so loud. But yet people love going there because you can't believe the beauty of it. But we found ourselves, well, Vicki says, let's go somewhere. She says, I want to go to a real state park where there's a real beach. So we went to Clear Lake. We were at Clear Lake and everybody else had the same idea. And it was like trying to camp in a city. And I looked at her and I said, didn't, didn't we just love it when we moved up here? You know, back home, we've always been here, but 16 years, we're in the Detroit area. Well, I told her, I said, this is too much like city. We looked at each other and said, let's go back to the state forest out on out off the grid stuff. So we did. And we looked at each other at one point. We had moved so much during that two weeks, we looked at each other. And I, it, the thought came to me. I said, Vicki, you know what? We are camping like we live our lives we just pick up and go when we want to go now we don't do that except in the lord but we've enjoyed that and when we're camping it's like lord 
lead us where you want to go because we're going to camp next to somebody that needs you. Camping is fun, but can you imagine doing that for 40 years? And when they would move from campsite to campsite to campsite, this is what would take place. They were told never, God said to Moses and to Aaron, the first high priest, and said, the Levitical priesthood, he said, never let the fire go out. That was a picture for us. Never let the fire of God go out. And so what they would do is they would take that first holy fire that came down at the dedication of, the, of Moses' tabernacle where God showed up and flames came down from heaven. And off that altar were coals. And it was kept in a big urn. And they carried it on their shoulders. And they carried that fire of God on their shoulders with long wooden rods. And that kept burning until they went to the next campsite where they could set up the tabernacle. That's the first thing they did. They set up the tabernacle and they set up the fire on the altar. And it was from that fire that the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice would be given. That fire never went out. They kept it burning. Interesting study. But I can't get away from the point and the conviction to my own heart to never let that fire go out. Don't let whatever happens in the world put it out. Don't let distractions Put it out. Don't let worldly things put it out. Keep it burning. It is the fire of God that He started in you the day you gave your life to Him. There's some things that we've got to repent from because the fire has gone a little bit dim. I could go on and on with that, but I don't want to. The fire of his love, the fire of his passion, and the fire in his presence is incomparable, unmatched. Can't find it anywhere else except his altar. Larry, would you put up that first scripture in Exodus? In Exodus 34, verse 14, the Lord is telling his people about himself. They didn't really know him. They just know that they were set free by him. So they're wandering in the desert now, and they're wondering, who is this God that, that we are supposed to serve and follow and, and go through all this hardship for? And, and the Lord said this. He says, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, you could say parentheses right here, but this is the main focus, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, when he spoke that, 
He knows that we know what jealousy is. Is there a worst emotion in the whole world, the worst feeling that you could ever have than jealousy? There isn't. It burns in you. Jealousy eats away at your thought processes. It will take the strength, drain it right out of you. Jealousy is the worst of the worst of the worst. You know what I'm saying? Hmm? Yeah. How about the one who says his name is jealous? Says, I am a jealous God. He goes on further, uh, or even even before this, when, uh, the handing down of the, um, the Ten Commandments, the speaking of the Ten Commandments. God spoke those, by the way. It's not like the Cecil B. DeMille, you know, Ten Commandments thing, uh, um, the colorized version in movies that come out of Hollywood about these things. But, you know, he spoke. Moses heard him, but the Lord says, go down and bring the people because I'm going to speak to them. And, he, and they heard vocally, they heard vocally the words of the Lord for the Ten Commandments. Freaked them out. Yeah, go ahead and read that. And he says, my name is jealous. I am jealous. I am a jealous God. I am jealous for my people. Give you a little story here. Try to help with this a little bit. Imagine if you will. Sounds like Twilight Zone, doesn't it? Imagine imagine if you are right. Imagine if you will. A young man and a young woman. Boyfriend, girlfriend. They've been together for some time. And the young man is putting together a scenario in his mind of wanting this gal to be his for the rest of his life. And so he gets a ring and and he's going to propose. And so they, they find a, a nice place, quiet, romantic. You can picture that. And he's coming to the point where now it's time. I'm going to ask her. And he quietly leans over to her. And he says, I love you so much. With everything that's in me. I can't imagine living without you. Will you marry me? And she had a funny look on her face, kind of puzzled. And all of a sudden, he's like, this is not what I was expecting. And he gets back, and he looks at her, and he goes, what's wrong? And she says, do I have to give up all my boyfriends? Do you hear the Spirit of the Lord? Do I have to give up all my boyfriends? When we gave our lives to Jesus, did we not give Him our lives? When we ask Him into our heart, maybe in Sunday school, 
That seems to be a Sunday school expression. Ask Jesus into your heart. I don't know, I never outgrew that. From four years old all the way up to when I, I ran, I saw him when I was four years old. And it scared me to the point where I knew he was my Savior and I knew I was a sinner. And I ran from him. My mom and dad never took us to church. Ever. But the Lord appeared. It's like, yep, I know who he is. There's something about a four-year-old child that they, they understand things and don't question things. But there was a struggle going on for my life and for my soul. And twenty All the way till I was 23, I ran from him. Drugs, alcohol, dark things, real dark things. And I knew all along that he was talking to me and saying, Rip, I want your heart. We are like tin soldiers. Almost like the Wizard of Oz. We are like tin soldiers. Whom God is furiously trying to put his heart in that tin soldier. But there's one part of that tin soldier that does not want that. And that's just the tin. And so we have this struggle. Oh, don't, don't tell me you've never had this struggle. I have had this struggle. And it's the pull that's upon us, these boyfriends, guys, girlfriends, lovers, little affairs with the things of this world. We serve a God who is jealous. And we have our minds led astray by boyfriends. Would you turn with me if you have your Bibles? I don't think you do, but we just read them up on the wall. But here's 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3. Paul says, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I've watched people have a really strong start in the Lord and walk with Him for many years, but then be led astray by the serpent to things that are complicated. Why do we want things to be complicated? Oh, there are many reasons. <laughs> there, there are some interesting reasons why we want things to be complicated. And none of them are good or godly. The gospel is so simple a four-year-old can understand it. We want to make things complicated. 
Why? Because we have more excuses not to follow the simplicity of Christ. I had a friend who started really well. He was, we had a church where God was just moving powerfully one Sunday. And the young man, he was, he was, he has gone away to college, come back from college. And he was sitting on the front pew of the church and I can see it today. And he was messed up in the Holy Spirit. He was, he said, I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Would you please? He says, I want that. So, okay. He said, you know what to do? Just sit there. And I went over to him. I put my hand on him and I said, Zach, receive the Holy Ghost by the name of Jesus. And Lord, some of that fire too. Pow. He couldn't stand. All he could do was sit on that front pew. That front pew was a place of prayer, by the way. Then afterwards, people would go back to the seat. He could not go back to his seat. There weren't enough Kleenexes in the box to clean up the mess he was making from his nose and from his eyes. Glory to God. People, that's simplicity. But he let the fire go out. So much so, I don't even think he's serving the Lord today. And I know not to even be involved or poke at him because he usually snaps back and says things he shouldn't say. He let the fire go out. And even as Paul is telling the church in Corinth, he says, I fear. I fear this with a godly jealousy. It is the jealousy of God whose name is jealous. He is the embodiment of jealousy. And can you imagine anyone being an embodiment of jealousy or or even God himself? You don't want to be around somebody who's jealous. They'll kill somebody. Wars were started over people, kings being jealous. Jealous boyfriends take a handgun and kill. Can you imagine God? Do you want to you just for a moment capture that in your mind? Can you imagine God himself being jealous? Oh, not just that. It's his name. It's his name. Don't let the fire go out. I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what your family says. I don't care who teases you or who turns away, who who mock you because of the fire of God that burns in you. Don't let it go out. It is better to have the applause of heaven than to have a mere okay from man. Don't let it go out. And that is simply this. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, my Father will be ashamed of you. You think that there's going to be a joyful entry into heaven? God help us. If we've been ashamed of him, 
I don't think so. I don't even want to figure that out theologically. That's making things too complicated, sophisticated. Why don't we come back to the simplicity in Christ and let that fire burn again? There's a price to be paid. There's a cost to being free. Have you not found this out? Salvation is free, but to stay that way, there is a cost. It'll cost you everything of your being. (laughs) That's, That's why the Lord doesn't take kindly to complaining. Jeremiah tried that. The great prophet Jeremiah. Ah, I love what he wrote in his book. Jeremiah, he started complaining about, Lord, every time I speak your name, I find myself in a pit somewhere. Every time I speak your word that you give me, and I give it word for word, Lord, just like you say, and look what happens to me after that. Jeremiah says, there was even a time when you would speak a word that I knew was not going to be received by those hypocrites. And so I tried to shut it up in my bones. But it's like shutting up fire. I could not hold on to it. I had to release that word that you gave me. Lord, your fire burned so strongly in me I couldn't shut up. Oh, poor Jeremiah. You know what God said to him? The Lord said this to Jeremiah. He says, you're complaining? And this is has a subtitle. If you've got a, a Bible, it gives subtitles. And here's the subtitle of a topic. And this is called Jeremiah's Complaint. And the Lord looked at him and said, if you can't run with men, how are you going to run with horses? We want these great things from God, but if we can't put up with this, how are we going to get that? We want the Lord to do great things in our lives. We want Him to do all these things, but fill in the blank. God, help us. There have been times when the Lord has wanted me to speak things that it's like, Lord, if I preach that, my phone is going to ring off the hook on Monday morning. But I spoke it anyway. People were saying, Rip, I can't believe you said that. Do you think I'm any less of a Christian? Don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of your love for him. Faith. You want strong faith? Learn to burn for him. And your faith will get exercised. In fact, to the point where it'll have so much conditioning that you will not think twice when the Lord gives you something to do. You won't question it. And He will test you. When God tests you, I'd rather be tested by Him than tested by the devil. Because the devil will test me to find out where all my bad is. God tests me to find out where all my good is. 
I can think of many times when he has tested me and, and I knew they were angels. Because as soon as I found my error, I'd turn around to correct and that one is gone. Nowhere to be found. I said, Lord, I'm trying to do things that are foolish right now. That was you speaking. There's one particular time I remember. This is when we were in Waterford. And I was driving down Telegraph. And coming down Telegraph, Dixie area. If you're down there, you know where that is. And here was on a, on a, it looked like a person was, was struggling, walking, where there was no sidewalk. That's where cars drive. Person was out of place, number one, carrying a, carrying a couple of, uh, like uh, the plastic bags you get from a grocery store. You know, the handles on them and, and just hunched over and walking like this. And, and I felt an urge to pick them up. And I just blew right on by them. I thought, this is a city you don't stop for strangers. And I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I turned around to go back to get that person. I didn't get, I didn't get three blocks down the highway at 50 miles an hour. You know, I mean, it doesn't take long. And I knew right away, turned around, turned my little car around, swung around to go and pick them up, take them. I don't care where they were wanting to go. I was going to take them there. I was going to make sure they had a ride. They were gone. No place for them to hide. Where'd they go? The more of God's fire that you have, the more your faith will build. The more your faith will be strengthened. The more you will want to worship Him. And that just compounds. The more that you will want to be in His Word, the more that you will want to be in service for Him, in worship. You'll find out you don't fit many places anymore. And we're never supposed to fit there. We are a peculiar people, Peter said. He said, we are a peculiar people. We are strange people. We are only visiting this planet, Larry Norman said back in 1970-something. Oh, you you won't remember him. But anyways, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Paul said this, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Later on, he says that in chapter 7, the same thing. You are not your own. Don't go and do what you wish. You are not your own. And then later on, things don't add up, things break, things, people get sick, they get hurt, people die, the, it, tragedies happen, and you look and you, all of a sudden you wake up and you say, oh, I went the wrong direction. No, you went the right direction according to your own mind. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
God knows what he wants with your life. And it's good. 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 You are not your own. A young man looking at his bride wannabe that he desperately wanted her to live with him, to have her as his own. He wanted her. We are the bride of Christ to which we are betrothed. A price has been paid for us by Jesus, the Son of God. He paid a price. You're not your own. So when things get a little tough, you know, (laughs) things get pretty rough. We can complain or we can pray, but don't whine. Don't whine. I've got a, a friend from another time and place in ministry, and he gives this story. Gerald, if you're listening, I'll never forget it. Gerald, big, tall guy, deep voice, such a heart for God. I just stand next to him and draw strength from him. One of those. And, and Gerald, Gerald gave this story. He said, he said, I was down in pickup basketball game, city stuff, okay, city stuff. Went down to the where the the basketball court is and got in a, on a game with guys and. And uh, there was one guy that was just whining. Well, that was a foul. Or oh, you're pushing. On and on it went. <laughs> to the point where Gerald just got tired of it. Gerald was just beating him, that's all. Just beating him. And Gerald didn't have to cheat. He didn't. He's just playing city ball, just the way they play. Gerald just couldn't believe it. He looks at him and he goes, did your mom make you come down here and play this game? When I heard that, I laughed and I'm going, whoa. Did God force you to sign up? He didn't, did he? Watching a very historic war movie that was made It was a made-for-TV movie, you know. It wasn't glorified and all that stuff. But there was the Lost Battalion of World War I. And they held out. They were surrounded. They were cut off and surrounded. And that Lost Battalion was taken apart one by one by artillery, by friendly fire, by starvation, by running out of water. And they couldn't be resupplied. They running out of ammunition to the point they were hand-to-hand fighting to the very end. And at nighttime, they had huddled together. And there was one discussion where, how did you come to get here? And one gentleman said, I enlisted. And they all looked at him going, you enlisted? You signed up for this? He goes, yeah. And he said it with a smile. Yeah. And then one of the guys that wanted to mock him looked at him and he says, with a serious face, he says, so did I. We signed up for this. 
This is something that is not just the right thing. This is the very life that we should be living. This is normal. This is normal. One final scripture. First John 2, 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so I say this. If we do not forsake the world and the things of the world, even though we are still in the world and we're not of the world, how much of the things of the world can we dabble in before we find ourselves not having the love of the Father in us? We're seeing a lot of that happen right now. Jesus said, for the increase of wickedness, for the increase of wickedness, the love of many will, the love of most will grow cold. Grow cold. God's love is not cold. It's a burning fire. And the way to maintain that fire, I'll tell you, the way to maintain it is, is to keep it stoked. But staying away from things that put it out is even better yet. And you'll find stoking is not so difficult. There are things that I can do. Paul said all things are, are legal in the law now, he said, talking about the law, the, the, the laws of Moses. He said all of those things were... Everything is is okay now. Everything is legal, but not everything is expedient. Everything is permissible, but not everything is wise. And we will find this out as Christians, as believers, as those under covenant. The terms of the covenant have not changed the longer we serve Him. He doesn't look upon us any differently than the very day that we got saved. In fact, he loves you as much now as what he did then, even after all these years of serving him. <laughs> I can't say, Lord, Lord, would you, would you please, I, I, I deserve this because of... Lord, remember that one time I, I spoke that? I can't earn my salvation by good works. Why? Because the love of God cannot be bought. You can't perform... So I, I could never understand getting my assemblies of God suit and tie on, and I couldn't wait to get out the door to take it off, and neither could the rest of us pastors. I was in a church and as youth pastor. There were three other pastors. There were four of us, and, and man, what a team we had. But the one thing we just couldn't stand is wearing a tie, none of us. Why did we wear a tie? Because that's just the way we did things. What did it matter to God? There are things that you and I hold dear to that God doesn't. 
There are things that we that we put up as important that God would rather we just not do that. All things are permissible, but not all things are expedient, wise for the time. And what time are we living in right now? The time in which we are living in are the last days. And I look around this room and I don't see a youth group sitting here. How many more days do you think you've got? If, if the Lord should tarry, God willing, we know our days are shorter now than what they were before, right? That's why those things that we did back then, we don't do now because they're not expedient to us. There's a new set of priorities that we have. There's a new set of what we should do. We should not live the way we used to. Paul says, leave it behind. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying this morning, those things that are really important, keep important. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's really the main thing. Him. His love. The fire of His love. Would you stand with me, please? Jackie, if you want to, thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. That same love that lavishes upon us your grace is the same love that burns with jealousy when we neglect you. Or have said, I won't because of this, and we make excuses. God, you are jealous, God. That's only because of the great love that you have for us. Lord, this morning we embrace you. We embrace you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jackie, would you go ahead and play that?
this morning upon your people. Lord, that they would go from here knowing that they have warmed their soul, stoked up the Holy Spirit that's in them. And oh God, to go out of this place on fire for you. Lord, I pray a blessing upon each one. I pray that those things that wait upon them coming in are dropped off at the door and laid there and stayed there as they leave. God, I pray a blessing upon them this week of your peace and your strength in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. Go in the peace of the Lord this morning. And I want to talk.